From West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Learn more at aarp.org wv. The Charleston Gazette-Mail, using its CGM app to deliver the latest news, traffic, and weather alerts, keeping you in the know while you're on the go. Lumos Networks, online at lumosnetworks.com. West Virginia University, online at wvu.edu. Orion Strategies, professional public relations, government affairs, creative services, and research and polling, with offices in Charleston, Buchanan, Martinsburg, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Welcome to the legislature today from the State Capitol Building. House Bill 2519, the Campus Self-Defense Act, is on the fast track this evening. The bill would allow people with concealed carry licenses to carry those guns on college campuses. The bill narrowly advanced from the House Judiciary Committee. A second reference was waived last night, but a motion this morning sent it to the House Finance Committee this evening. College campuses around the state strongly oppose this bill. About 100 people gathered at WVU's downtown campus to voice their concerns today. There was also a smaller counter-protest. Reporter Brittany Patterson sent us this montage of comments from Morgantown. necessarily trained to deal with emergency situations carrying guns. I worry about not knowing who has a gun. I worry about uh, when emotions run high, what happens to students. And I deal with a lot of controversial topics in the courses that I teach. And um, I can only imagine that it could stifle conversation, important conversations that need to happen if the professor and other students are fearful about um, other students in the classroom and how they might react to things that they don't agree with. The bill has a provision that you have to have uh, your uh, concealed carry permit, which then uh, uh, you actually have to have a written test and a lab fire training. And it's not like a whole bunch of yahoos out here carrying AK-47s and stuff like that in the classrooms. So I'd like to uh, dispel the myth that it's going to be like OK Corral. So we prefer local control, not only on this issue, but just about any issue that our Board of Governors should be given the discretion to 
uh, navigate and handle those issues. However, we also know that there's a lot of support for this legislation in the legislature, and so it's already started to move out of one committee, um, is I guess going to the finance committee. So what we're asking for is that the exemptions that have been in the bill as it moves forward be preserved so that we do retain some of that discretion and exemptions to protect uh, our most sensitive areas of campus. Strong opinions for and against this bill here at the Capitol. But because of a very busy committee schedule, we were unable to get opposing views together at the table this evening. And so we spoke with delegates separately. First, we hear support for the Campus Self-Defense Act from Delegate Brandon Steele, a Republican from Raleigh County. You know, while we've had a meaningful debate, it comes down to me that we need to trust the system that we have in place. You're going to have to have a concealed carry permit, which means you've gone through a background check. You're of lawful age to carry a weapon. Those people need the, to be able to exercise their right to do that and exercise their right to protect themselves. And uh, I fully support that. What about the, what about the opposition of every higher education institution in the state? Yeah, um, you have to take that into account. And that's something that was going to weigh on all of us very heavily. And those same concerns came out with constitutional carry, maybe not from higher education, but a lot of people in the law enforcement community had strong concerns about it. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people in municipal government and things like that came out to speak out about it, of how it was going to, even the business community talked about it. Um, of the problems that we were going to have. And you have to weigh those concerns because those are part of your constituency. At the end of the day, I made an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of West Virginia and the United States of America. And to me, that means the people's right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And that's where I stand on it. But that right has a price tag, a fiscal note of $11.6 million. That's, that's significant, and that would have to be uh, absorbed by those institutions. They're saying they simply don't have that in their budget. You know, I've taken a look at that. I've looked at that fiscal note issue that this is going to result in added security, metal detectors, and different things like that. I don't necessarily agree that a hundred percent of those measures that they feel they need to take need to be put into place. I mean, if you look at you know, the sensitive areas that I see, you know, uh, stadiums where more than a thousand people are coming to an event, you already have security there, armed security. You've been paying for local law enforcement to staff that for a very long time, and there have been metal detectors in place and so forth. You know, uh, you, you get to the point of talking about having it in the dorm room and things. You know, there was negotiation that was done on this bill um, with WVU and other stakeholders to see how we could adapt a policy that could help them maintain safety in their in their dormitories. So they had input on this. I see this late physical note coming in as one I question its accuracy because I can't imagine that a whole lot of work was done to make that incredibly accurate knowing how fast it came in. So I don't see that as a big of an issue as other people might see it. What about the issue of young people and invariably there's alcohol at these events uh, what about that mix, the concern when you have firearms in right. the crowd? Right. Um, 
you know, you're always going to have young people and substance abuse issues and things like that. What we're talking about is people that are responsible enough to obtain a concealed carry permit. That means they got a clean record. They, they don't have a mental health issue. Um, they've been certified by their local sheriff to be able to carry concealed. And I see those people have been certified by the sheriff of their local community that they're responsible young adults. You know, and like me, I joined. For the opposition to the Campus Self-Defense Act, we spoke earlier today with Delegate Barbara Evan Fleischauer, a Democrat from Monongalia County, and one of the 11 delegates in the House Judiciary Committee who voted to kill the bill. Here's that interview. You voted against the bill yes. uh, in committee. Yes. Um, even the chair of the committee, of the Judiciary Committee, Republican John Schott of Mercer County, voted against this bill. He, uh, he was quoted as saying, 18-year-olds, alcohol, and firearms do not mix. You say it's a safety issue as well. Yes, I do. Um, I think that we need to remember that we have, across our state, in all of our colleges and universities, we have thousands of young people whose frontal lobe is not fully developed. They are impulsive. It's the first time they are out of, um, the. They, they're not can, with their parents, so they don't have anyone to guide them. And I am very concerned about the risk of suicide. We have a lot of uh, mental illness is post-puberty, that's when it starts, and access to guns. We, we already have a very high suicide, suicide rate of young, of young people. And um, I am also worried about domestic violence and easy access to guns and, and stalking and fights over sports, I mean, over anything. We're talking about hormones raging, um, impulsive behavior, and I don't think alcohol, I, I totally agree with Chairman Schott, alcohol and guns don't mix very well with young people. And this is what you're hearing from higher education officials themselves. They're bringing this, these points uh, to the legislature. Oh, they yes. are adamantly against this. What are you hearing from um, university officials themselves? Well, I, for example, I got an email today from a professor who said, and, and the bill does have some exceptions, but it, they will be allowed on campus, they'll be allowed on classrooms, and she was talking about having these large classrooms with 150, 300 people and having their backpacks, which of course they need to have, and people tripping over backpacks, and, and, and just, you know, that that's not a really good atmosphere to have free-flowing discussion and um, and they're you know they are going to be allowed on open areas that um, it's it's just um, very um, scary what could happen supporters of the bill would say that these are folks that have uh, gone through uh, have legally acquired the concealed carry uh, gun permits. They've gone through the checks, everything legally, th and and so this is a, a constitutional right of theirs to to uh, to to carry the to to bear arms, to carry the, these guns. What is your uh, w what is your response to the to to those arguments? Well, I think that the Second Amendment is one of many different parts of the Constitution, and it doesn't override everything else, in my opinion. I am supportive of the Second Amendment. I believe in the law. 
However, we are talking about the safety of our children. And uh, the rules uh, right now say that it's up to each uh, college campus to make the decision. And I think that's a good rule, and I think that's what we should keep. There is an $11.6 million fiscal note with this, but it is not something that would be incurred by the state. The, these expenses would be um, of the, the, the higher education institutions would have to pay for the additional um, security, for police, for, they've listed a myriad of things. Um, and, and, and so that's a, that's something that has to be considered. Oh, I think cost is huge. I don't know where they get that. I don't think that's anywhere near the number. Because, for example... I believe it was presented by the Higher Education Policy Commission. I know, but it's an estimate. It was an estimate that we didn't get. We had like one day's notice on it. I think if you, if you are going to allow um, guns in dorms, which I think is appalling, you have to have safes. Um, if you're going to allow, allow free, I mean, we're talking about metal detectors. We're talking about, I, I, I don't even know how many buildings there are on WVU campus, but what about Glenville? What about Bluefield? I mean, are, how are they going to afford the cost of all these safety things that will be needed if we're going to have unlimited proliferation of guns on campuses? And there's another cost, and that could be enrollment. Mm -hmm. um, there is a concern that that uh, will, will um, deter recruitment. Oh, I, you know, we get a lot of students from New Jersey, from New York. I can tell you that they are never going to allow guns on campus there. And I have had parents tell me um, if I knew there were going to be guns on campus, I, I would never have sent my daughter there. We had testimony about that. Um, some, the other states, and there aren't very many that have done this, have had a 6% decrease in enrollment. That in my town with 35,000 students, that's a really big hit. But it's especially big hit in, our, in the towns like Shepherd, where we have small colleges. That's going to be an economic impact in addition to all these safety investments that are going to have to be made. Um, on the floor this morning, that 11.6, you, you believe that that might not be accurate. It might be much more. On the floor this morning, there were Republican delegates who stood up and called that a fabrication. Um, and, and, and so, you know, the question is what is going on politically with this bill? Last night, the, uh, the, the second reference to finance was, was waived and it was sent to the floor for a little, a little bit of time anyway. It was waived um, even though the chair of finance and the chair of judiciary agreed to it. That was shocking that that happened, and that it was. And there was a break. There was a break in the session. Uh, Chairman Schott was furious. Just what? What can you tell us is going on here? Well, um, there obviously are very strong feelings on both sides, and that was a very unusual procedural move that I think was improper, and it was corrected today. It was corrected and it was sent to finance uh, as, as we meet here. Um, there were exceptions uh, that were made in the bill. Do you want to go through those and, and, and are they enough? Well, I don't think they're enough. Um, 
and, and I don't know that I can go through them one by one, but they're, they are allowed on dormitories. And then there are different rules for whether you're going to have safes for students to keep their firearms or whether you're going to have metal detectors or just how they're going to do it. I mean, and there are a lot of exceptions that relate to laboratories and hospitals. And the, the exceptions are good, I think, that and, and, and tanks over a certain size. But I think that if you go through the exceptions, you just think of more things that you wouldn't want to have um, guns proliferating around. I know that you represent the WVU <coughs> district. Uh, Chairman Schott represents Concord and Bluefield, much smaller schools, and he has said uh, that they were not part of the negotiations um, as WVU was for these for these exceptions to make the um, the 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 bill more agreeable or able to work with. I think that's really unfortunate that all the colleges uh, were because the issues there would be very different from a large college college campus. But I am very concerned about, I mean, the exceptions do not satisfy me. And I don't think they satisfy the staff or the professors. As you know, there was the walkout today. People are furious that this bill is moving so quickly and they weren't aware of what was going on. What about some of your colleagues in the House who are not members of the Judiciary Committee or, or the, the Finance Committee? What are they saying? Um, what is your sense of of how they're, they're feeling about this bill? Well, there's a mixture. There are some people that are members of the NRA and support the NRA no matter what. And there are other people who are parents and are concerned and who think that we have to have some kind of balance and that there might be different rules for uh, when young people are involved. So, you know, there are, there are strong feelings on both sides. In, in another um, piece of, well, before we leave that, where, what is your sense? Will it, you know, breeze through finance, be out on the floor, possibly for a vote within a couple days? I think it will be on the floor for a vote for a couple days. I think probably the majority in the House is going to be supportive of this, even though I personally think it is horrible public policy. Another House bill, 3069, was just shot down yesterday, and that would have allowed chemical plants and other manufacturers that deal with hazardous or explosive materials to ban guns in vehicles in their parking lots. And that was, uh, uh, that was shot down. Uh, Chairman Schott, again of Mercer, um, spoke in support of that bill, allowing those bans. Um, it is, it, he even said, and he's, he's very much pro-economic development, he said that this would put West Virginia at a competitive disadvantage uh, when it comes to recruiting manufacturers into the state. Yeah, I, I think it's astonishingly bad judgment. I mean, we have, in my community, we also have a large uh, uh, area where we have a lot of tanks and we have um, you know it's it's a provider of really good jobs in our area and you know I voted against the bill when it came up the first time it seems to me if you have private property you should have some authority over your private property and this was just a very narrow exception to places where they have very dangerous 
um, chemicals being stored that could cause explosions. I mean, um, I'm shocked that this bill would be moving in our state when we desperately need economic development and we have the promise, uh, I mean, I don't know, can we, can we recruit something like a cracker if we have that kind of language yeah. in the laws? Can, and all these sort of what they call the downstream um, entity, a downstream development that would happen using these chemicals, many of which are highly inflammable. Can we? So one, one, uh, one bill down and one bill moves forward. Thank you so much, Delegate Barbara evans Fleshauer of Monongalia County. We appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you, too. Next, the West Virginia Bureau of Senior Services is hoping for movement on House Bill 2625, which has been in the House Finance Committee for almost two weeks. The bill would establish higher reimbursement rates for meals served to seniors in both congregate and in-home settings. It would mean an additional $5.3 million for the program. Tonight Belive reports. As West Virginia's senior population grows, so do the needs of senior care service centers. As we're in trouble and we are the foundation of the state, we, we take care of the seniors. Um, we're not uh, immune to some of the problems that everyone else is experiencing. Senior service centers provide seniors help in various ways, including in-home assistance, home-delivered meals, nursing care, and transportation. Serving more than 2 million meals to seniors statewide last year, Carpenter says the nonprofit senior care agency is facing a budget crisis that must be fixed to sustain the growing elderly population. We've not had rate increases in our home delivered meals or our congregate meals since 2009. Uh, we get reimbursed less money than a Big Mac meal. Uh, we've had to reduce services to stay within our budget. Our in-home services have not had increases in their rates, but we're like everyone else. Our utilities have increased, our wage costs have increased. Uh, we're, we're facing uh, dire straits when it comes to continu continuing the services. Delegate Brent Boggs is minority chair of the Committee on Senior Children and Family Issues. He says after working closely with the Senior Services Center, he is aware of the demand for additional funding and is working to get the assistance and resources needed, especially for in-home assistance. Many times a lot of these people end up having to go to a nursing home just as a last resort when they have no reason to be there if somebody would just come in and give them a couple hours of service for a few things that they need. Delegate Boggs says more funding to the Senior Service Center's in-home assistance programs will not only help seniors by keeping them out of nursing homes, but is financially better for the state as well. And it's a three-to-one match. For every dollar that we put into it on the state level, we get three dollars from the federal government to provide it. And it saves taxpayers because it's a fraction of what it costs to go into a nursing home. Boggs says the state's aging population is an issue that needs to be embraced. We certainly want to stop the outflow of population to other states. We need to stabilize that and get our population moving upward again. But at the same time, we don't want to discourage our seniors by enacting policies or failure to enact policies that will keep them in West Virginia. And we want to encourage people that maybe had lived in West Virginia or just would like to live in West Virginia because of the beauty of the lifestyle to be able to financially be able to come back and see what we have to offer for them. 
Carpenter says the senior service centers will continue to make their issues well known and will represent and lobby for seniors across the state of West Virginia until their needs are met. For the legislature today, I'm Denite Belay. Today was History Day here at the Capitol, and if there's one thing West Virginians care about deeply, it's their heritage. Randy Yowie found visitors today with roots that run deep. Joining the West Virginia Sons of the American Revolution is about more than dress up and reenacting. You must be a descendant of someone who served in the Revolutionary War. David Nowoski's sixth great-grandfather, John Young, was one of the founders of Charleston. It started off as just a frontiersman guarding from the Indians to tax, and then from there turned into a spy for uh, George Clendenin. Yeah, my mother's family, I am a descendant of Lewis Tackett, the man who built the now infamous Fort Tackett near St. Almonds. And on my father's side, I am a descendant of George Mason, the author of the Bill of Rights. For those both in and out of period dress here at West Virginia History Day, bringing the past to the present helps us all prepare for the future. Well, we always want to honor the patriots that really gave up everything for the chance to be free. And uh, we have, uh, that's come down to us as freedom. So I want to respect them and what they did. If you read and understand your history, you can prevent having issues in the future. Celebrating 70 years, members of the West Virginia Archaeological Society literally dig their history. A labor of love that led author Darla Spencer to write this book and enlighten us on the early history of Native Americans in West Virginia. When I grew up, I heard that West Virginia was basically a hunting ground, that no Native people lived here. And when I became an archaeologist, I did research and found that, yes, there were Native people here. For me, I married a native West Virginian, and I've lived here since 1988. And I've found at that time that there's something very personal, very endearing, very special to the folks that live here in the Mountain State about the history and heritage in West Virginia. At the time, we were, to put it bluntly, the original Wild West. We were the first step forward westward expansion. We're the only state to ever become a state out of a military conflict here. And it's just, just the history behind all that, it's just interesting, just, just figure it out. So they dress up, they reenact for pride, pride of country, of state, and of family history. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie. Tomorrow on the legislature today, our reporters roundtable will we'll look at, take a look back at the major stories this week and a look ahead to what's next week. I'm Suzanne Higgins for everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.